0: You are listening to the Bristow Advent Christian Church Podcast. Visit us on the web at bristowacc.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Christopher. God is good and all the time. Hey, y'all getting better at this. Indeed, that's something we should keep strongly in mind no matter what's going on around us, it doesn't change the fact that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We trust him that he is above our distractions. And, you know, he says he knows his thoughts toward us. What are his thoughts toward us? Thoughts of love. Do you all remember the scripture? Thoughts of peace and expected in he, He's got good thoughts toward us. You know, He would. The Bible says he would, it's his will that all of us be brought into the kingdom, that all of us be saved. That's what John 3:16 and 17 is all about. I don't like to quote 3:16 without 17, because not only does it bring out That he loved us so much he died for us. But when he was here living, he did not come to condemn us. He came that through him we all might be saved. And a lot of times, you know, when we're evangelizing, when we're trying to witness, we have a tendency to be a little too critical in the process. And it's hard for people to get John 3.17 out of our witnessing sometimes. So if we remember how Christ thought and done for us, it will help us to be more loving and more uh, giving in our witness to others. I'm going to bow my head one more time uh, to ask that the Lord bless at my, at my reading of the word. Father, I ask that the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, will be acceptable in your sight. In the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. I was afraid whenever I texted the topic to uh Jack, I was I was afraid that he would think I was saying I wasn't prepared because I sent the topic to be prepared. I said, sermon, to be prepared. And I thought, wait a minute, does he realize that that's the name of the sermon? <laughs> but uh anyway, um, you might look at the text we just read and think, is that on topic? Well, yes, it's very much on topic. That is what it takes to be prepared, is that we do study the word to show ourselves approved and to realize what it means to be showing ourselves approved. Not only that, that, that we are putting the word first and foremost in our lives before anything and everything. You know, I really, really believe in, most of y'all generally tell me the same thing that you believe we are in the very end time. How many believe that? How many believe that? And that being the case, it's very important that we be prepared. You know, indeed John 3.16 says that if we believe upon him, we shall be saved. A lot of times that gets taken out of context, though, and misinterpreted, and people just claim the name and go on with their lives and live the same life and such, and they don't actually end up representing Christ, and indeed... They may find it difficult to believe that they don't believe in Christ. You know, what did we hear earlier? Said that if you don't love, you don't know God. So if you don't walk in the ways of Christ, you don't believe in Christ. You wouldn't walk in a different way than somebody you believe in, would you? But anyway, in regard to preparing Several times through the Bible, it also makes the reference to, and throughout the New Testament, that he that endureth to the end. Now, I'm not talking salvation by works. You're not going to endure to the end unless you have given your life over to Christ. But then again, when you give your life over to Christ, then you're asking for Jesus to give you the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? He's a comforter but what else yeah it, it reproves to give us truth he can, he brings us unto conviction he guides us he leads us and we walk in the steps of what the Holy Spirit so if we ask for the Holy Spirit we need to expect to follow the guidance and the convictions of the Holy Spirit amen now all that is to build us up you know the Paul talked about putting on the whole armor of God. For what purpose? We are in a battle. says that the devil goeth about like a roaring lion. By the way, the lion isn't roaring the whole time he's pursuing you, is he? Now, you ever watched a lion creeping up on some something? They're out there kind of sneaking just like a little cat does. It's kind of sneaking up. But they're roaring good whenever they got you. They like to make a big deal of the fact that They got you. And Satan likes to make a big deal to God when he's got you. Because that's why he's after us. It's not so much what we're doing, it's the fact that we are children of God and God wants us and he wants to take down anything and everything that has to do with God. But we are coming closer and closer to the end. And we are told in the Bible, um, I want you to go to Revelation chapter 13. Now, you know that this makes reference to the mark of the beast, but that's not my focus this morning. I want to come just before that. It says, He had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many would, what? Would not worship the image of the beast. Instead of who? Instead of God. I'm in verse 15, I'm sorry, of Revelation 13. If he, does not, if he doesn't worship the image of the beast, that he should be killed, and that he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, in verse 16, free and bond to receive a mark in the right hand or in their foreheads, that what? For what purpose? In verse 17, that no man might buy or sell save. He that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Last time I was here, I asked you, if you were charged, especially in a non-Christian country or whatever, if you were charged with uh, being a Christian, would there be enough to convict you? And at this point in time, quite frankly, only the Christians are really going to be standing firm and concerning themselves with whether or not I can be convicted. They'd rather not be if they really aren't. But here's where I'm going. is As we get closer and closer to the end of time, the Bible says we are headed to a time such as there has never been in regard to hardships. And I've known people, matter of fact, I myself, whenever I was a... I kid, I'm going to tell this story. I'm telling it on myself. It's a terrible thing to tell you about. It really is. But uh, I did things I shouldn't do once in a while. I shoplifted a time or two in the grocery store and uh, such, and I did things with uh, my peers that I shouldn't, and I'd get a guilty conscience, and I'd get punished at times. But, and I didn't do this a lot, but I did once in a while. We're all sinners, aren't we? Until Christ comes into our hearts. But why I bring this up is a little kid from across the street that I hung out with all the time. And it's caught me off guard because actually he was meaner and wickeder than I was. But he asked me something. He says, I can't remember the exact words, but he asked me if I ever worry about my salvation concerning some of the stuff we were doing and if Jesus were to come and stuff. And, I, and uh, I'd been studying my Bible and learning my Bible. I was raised in church, and I said, well, all we'll have to do is just ask forgiveness, and he'll forgive it. Rather presumptuous, wasn't it? Because, you know, we keep doing our thing, and then before Jesus comes, make sure we've asked for forgiveness, or if you're Catholic, gone to confessional or whatever, you know. And all will be good. Like I said, that's presumptuous. And quite frankly, you better not be basing your salvation that way. But why I'm bringing that up is adults have a tendency. We don't come right out and say it a lot of times. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything. But sometimes we have a tendency to think, well, when I see all these things happening, and quite, uh, then I'll make more of the changes I need to make. Brother, sister, if that's your thought, it'll be too late. Plus the fact, it's not as clear cut and as dramatic as what it seems and as far as how people are preaching it. It's not going to happen like that. It's not going to be a situation where all of a sudden you've got the bad guy there and he says, okay, you take this Mark." And, and save your life, or don't take this mark, and God can have you. It's not going to be that way. It's very subtle, and it's already started. Indeed, the Bible says it started in Paul's time. And it's creepy. it's been creeping up on us all these thousands of years now. And so what's really going on is little bit by little bit, Satan has been getting into us through various forms, either through the way we've been raised and our parents were raised before us, and so forth, or through some tradition, or through from some particular uh, way of thinking that's passed through some course or another the way, a school you might go to, whatever. But for a variety of reasons, things are being slipped into you even as a child on up through adulthood. I want now to go over to uh, 1 John 2, verse 15 through 18. Now, do your best to follow me. I know that's... Sometimes I get kind of deep, and it may even sound a little vague, but just try to stay with me, and I'll try to make it more clear. And I'm not going to stay on this point right now. I'm going to get right back into the actual preparations. But I wanted to begin with the fact of the warning. The whole issue behind our preparation is we are in the end time There's not time to wait before we make changes in our life. There's no time to wait before we decide if we're going to give our lives to Jesus or not. Matter of fact, the Bible says now is the day. Now is the time. Now why does he say that? Because the devil goeth about like a roaring lion and he's out to get you. You could die Tonight, you could die in the next hour. We could die in the next minute for some unknown given reason. But it's not just how fast we can die. It's the fact that the devil is very subtle and he cometh across like an angel of light. He's a deceiver. And there are many in this world that are claiming Christ and they're not really serving him. They're serving a false Christ. If you are doing something other than what the Bible teaches in the name of God, you are not serving God. How many believe that this morning? You know, you may think it's not possible, but that's indeed how the devil works. So, 1 John 2, 15-18. Love not the world. Now, I'm not talking about just entertainment. Now, I've used this text before, but right now, we are talking about our way of life. We're talking about our way of thinking, our way of relating to each other, life in general. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, love of the Father is not in him. If you love the way the world entertains itself, if you love their jokes, if you love their, uh, what they display, if you love what they drink that does harm to you, if you love, you know, you got me? I don't need to go into that much detail. Loving the world, th- there's a lot there that Satan uses about the world to draw you from God. Verse 16, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, that's not just what we see, it's what we smell, what we taste, what we, uh, virtually every nerve center in our body, Satan likes to trigger. You know, you rode the little kitty roller coaster, and then that's no longer any fun. You've got to have something that's more exciting. Likewise, you might have had something a little bit spicy. Now let's get something spicier. And No, I'm not kicking on roller coasters and spiciness. I'm getting at our natural tendency to want more, and Satan gives us more. He takes it beyond the natural to the point that we are pursuing things that reach far beyond the spiritual. And in the so doing, it makes the Bible, it makes church, it makes spirituality boring in our natural worldly state so he says all that is in the world the lust of flesh the lust of the eyes the lust of pride of life is not of the father do you catch that even the pride of life the things that we might think of as success the things that we might think of show that we've become something that show we've been successful the pride of life. Even that, it, te- it warns us about, is not of the Father, but is of the world. What should our focus be? What should our focus be? Verse 17 And the world passes away, and the lust the- thereof, but he that doeth the will of God, please lock into this. You've put him first and foremost. He that does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Seek ye first. I don't have that text right here. I didn't put it in there. But remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things, what? God is faithful to his promises. Verse 18 is the last verse so I want to read here. Little children, here we go again. It is the last time. And as ye have heard the Antichrist shall come... Now, guys, I'm reading in the New Testament, and that's a long time ago. Ye have heard that the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So, guys... The devil had a head start on us and if we're comfortable right now we're in a dangerous position God doesn't want us comfortable that may not sound right to you but the fact of the matter is Jesus kept trying to provoke our thoughts Peter kept trying to provoke our thoughts Paul kept trying to provoke our thoughts. Indeed, if you will go, I was, I didn't give him this. If you will go to Luke 21, 7 and 8, Jesus himself, he started talking about the end time. And the apostles, they said, well, when will this time be? When will this time be? And you know what? the focus that Jesus then tried to put on them, the very first thing he was concerned about was where they were in their knowledge of the word, their retention of the word, where they were in their relationship with him. Chap- chapter 21, verse 7, they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? What sign will be, will there be when these things shall come? To pass, And he said, first words out of his mouth to that question. You know, when he first starts talking, they probably say, Are you going to answer our question? He says, Take heed that you be not deceived. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. His concern was them being deceived. In the end time. More so than whether or not they knew all the details of the signs. Because the fact of the matter is. If they're waiting for the signs. When it happens it's too late. Because you cannot naturally switch gears and you're not naturally going to switch gears at that time. You have to have the Spirit of God within you. You have to have that relationship with God to make that change. Otherwise, you don't do what we're going to, we tell you to do. We're going to kill your wife. Oh, we're going to kill your baby. How are you going to make that decision? You hear me? We're talking comfort. Um, can't buy ourselves. Well, God don't want us to go hungry. there's there's been people, and i'm I'm not trying to pass judgment on anything, so I'm not talking I'm not going to name any specific careers or whatever, but there's been people that had conviction about going a particular direction as far as uh, what to do in life, what career they were going to set up, but they couldn't seem to find something that paid the amount they thought they needed to have. And so they finally gave in to doing something that they were convicted about and that they had shared their conviction about, but they ended up going ahead and doing it. And I talked to them about it, and they said, well, you know, God also wants us to provide for our family. And you hear where I'm going? You hear where I'm going? That's a false rationale, people. Who owns the cattle on a thousand hills? God does, and whenever you start rationalizing that, hey, I can compromise because God also wants me to take care of my family or whatever, so he understands, and I don't know how many times I've heard that. I believe God understands. Why would he understand that you don't have faith that he's going to provide? Why would he understand that you don't believe he's going to meet his promises, why would he understand that? He wouldn't. Okay, I'll get off that. I'm going to bring us back to our opening scripture, as it were. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5. I know I'm getting a little loud here. I'm, I feel pretty passionate about this subject. It's a, it's a concern of mine. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, but I won't mention it again because this is something I'm actually finding true in a lot of people. And indeed, I have to put myself in check many times. Had a Bible study with somebody. Very specific things was coming out in that Bible study that would affect things that were in this person's life. And we're talking specific details. And it addressed these specific details. And I wasn't passing judgment or nothing. We were just reading scriptures or whatever. And we read there, and this person says, wow, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? And I said, yeah, what do you think about that? And then we went to another scripture on the same subject, and it was definitely and very obviously touching some specific things in their life and again mercy it it doesn't beat around the bush does it now that's what they're saying to me I said, no it doesn't and I said, so How's that affect you well proceeds to step away from the word and says well I'm going to have to uh, pray on this and see how the Spirit convicts me on it. Guys, do y'all not catch the danger of what I just told you about? You know how the Holy Spirit works? First off, the Holy Spirit works by the Word. And you're supposed to test the Spirit. How are you supposed to test the Spirit? By the Word. And the Word was speaking directly to this person, directly on specific things and it wasn't for me to ever say anything you know the bible does the judging and stuff so but you know that person never changed to my knowledge mm-hmm. for many years i know they didn't in in regard to these things that was brought out so i guess the holy spirit didn't convict that person the bible did but stepped away from the bible and sometimes we may not want to admit it to ourselves. We might be doing the same thing. We, something may come imprint upon our brain from the word that, well, yeah, I wonder if I should be doing or thinking or something different here. And then we come up with some rationale that we then go ahead and go our way and ignore it. But I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 and 21. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 and 21. Now, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous of God in him now there's a theology by the way that that's out there i don't know if you've actually come across it or not that basically says all this is being done behind the scenes up in heaven this righteousness of ours But we ourselves will not really gain all these victories till we've passed over that border. That's not what the Bible teaches. Proof. Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did you know that right there is giving you a promise that God works with you right now? He gives you victory right now. But anyway, I'm gonna continue in chapter 6, verse 1. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Is that even possible? Must be. To receive the grace of God in vain. Remember what I said about John 3:16, and then people claiming that, but then going on with their regular lives. The grace of God was given for them, but they're not going to be saved because they don't believe in him enough to follow him. For he saith in verse 2, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in a day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Amen? giving no offense in anything. By the way, this makes reference to here and in other places, not only not to be offensive toward others, but not to easily take offense by others. Guys, we represent the Son of God, the Most Holy. Don't worry about what people of the world say about you or do to you. But anyway, give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Don't do things that you know might bring uh, bad vibes to people concerning your spirituality. I worked for a man who was a pastor who told the same kind of jokes that other people of the world would tell. Who would tell white lies right and left and all of us that worked under him nobody wanted to attend his church. Most people had a bad taste for him. There were a couple of atheists among us and they said if that's what a man of God is all about I don't have any use for it. You hear what I'm saying? He was bringing offense to God's name. So giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed But in all things approving ourselves, remember that word in the beginning in our uh, opening scriptures? Approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, getting back to our preparation. Much patience in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes. In imprisonments, I won't take the time to go here, but Paul, who's sharing all this with us, he goes through all the details of all the stuff he'd been through. And I tell you what, you wouldn't want to go through a fraction of it. But he had, and he took pride in that for God's glory because he was sharing in the persecution of Christ. In stripes, imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love, unfeigned. And finally, verse 7, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, and on the left. Seek ye first, people, the kingdom of God. All these things will be supplied to you, and you can get through anything, and you will be ready at the tail end, and you'll be ready right now for anything that convicts you. Amen? I want to close with Romans. This is the verse I forgot to give you back there. But anyway, Romans chapter 12. And I'm going to start with a, well, I'm going to just read the first two verses. Romans chapter 12. And as I'm going there, I want to ask you, have you considered yourself prepared, ready? And now that I've read some of these verses to you, do you still consider yourself prepared, ready? Or do you feel that you need to pray more, dig more, and be more ready to follow? Verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service as a Christian. Be not conformed to this world. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Are you ready for Jesus to come? Are you ready? the everything the Antichrist can dish out. Are you ready right now for all the persecution, the inconveniences of anything that would come against you if you follow the Lord? Are you ready to let everything go, if necessary, down to your little one in your arms to stay true to him? People won't usually say that up front, but guys, that's what it means. That's what it means. Because in doing so, you wouldn't only be saving yourself, you would be saving the child by letting it happen. Death is but a moment. Eternity is forever. Death is but a moment eternity is forever. So if you're ever threatened in that sense and you've got to choose between God or something that awful, remember that's but a moment. Are you ready? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wonder if there might be somebody this morning. I want to say brother Floyd, I I'm not sure where I'm at right now. But I want that God has me 100%. Please pray for me. Is there anybody that says, I've been trying to decide what to do. But it's so hard making the right decisions in this life. There's so many different things that Bring pressure upon me if I do what I know to be right, but pray for me that I may walk in God's way no matter what. Merciful Heavenly Father, You know our hearts. Even before we were conceived, You knew us. You know what we think. You know our need before we ask for it. Father, we offer our lives to you again this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit will indeed come upon us in a big way and not just to make us a witness to somebody else, but dear Father, that the Holy Spirit will, may give us the victories that we may know your presence and make the stands that we need to stand within our family. We ask, dear Father, you forgive us our trespasses. Deliver us from evil. For indeed, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In the name of your Son, our Savior, our mediator, our friend. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and give you peace throughout the day and the weeks to come. Amen.